over the course of the last year, I have chaired an independent review process looking at the safeguarding structure and arrangements within the Catholic Church in England and Wales. The review panel members were all people from within the church, but we drew heavily upon others inside and outside of the church in our work. The final report, along with 15 recommendations, were presented to the bishops and considered by them this week in their plenary meeting. I'm pleased to confirm that they have accepted all of them without alteration or amendment, but also importantly committed themselves to implementing them fully. The review process, when I started it, my plan was did not take account of the arrival of um, a major health crisis, which had a massive impact on how we processed the review. It meant that travel was extremely difficult. Face-to-face -face meetings and conversations with people uh, had to be limited. And a large part of the work was done remotely and through Zoom meetings as we're having this morning. But despite that, many of those conversations were very rich in terms of their content. And we have done, I think, a piece of work which I personally am proud, and it reflects the commitment and hard work of a large number of people, but also importantly, those who have been hurt through contact with the church and who have been prepared to share their wisdom. We have benefited very greatly uh, as a result. In pursuing that knowledge, we have sought to access it through one-to-one -one conversations in ways that are sensitive to the individual situation of each person. We have not and did not establish a work stream in terms of the review process, which had its title of working with and drawing on the knowledge of survivors. And the reason why we made that decision was very simply because we know in many situations, these individuals are not comfortable in speaking within a committee or group situation. They much prefer to have one-to-one -one conversations with a trusted individual. But it's also important to recognize and take account of that there is a real desire on many of them to make a contribution to share their knowledge, to exert what influence they can on bringing about change. And I personally want to thank them very greatly for uh, their willingness to do that. The report argues for structural change in the creation of a new body, which we have termed the Catholic Safeguarding Standards Agency. And this will sit at the center of the church, but that does not mean that it will be located simply in one place, and it does not necessarily mean that that place will be London. It will provide a number of services uh, to the whole church, and it will do so on a different basis to that which currently underpins the operation of the present structure. Currently, there is a reliance on advisory relationships between the national bodies of the Catholic Safeguarding Advisory Service and the National Catholic Safeguarding Commission and the rest of the church.
we do not believe that those advisory relationships are appropriate for what needs to be in place. Therefore, we have argued that a new structure should be adopted, a new body created. And that body should be empowered to set safeguarding standards, to provide a robust audit and review service, and to take responsibility for intervening where it believes inadequate or poor practice has taken place. It can direct change. In other words, it will have powers that currently CSAS does not have. Introducing a standards-based approach is a critical new development that follows initiatives that have taken place uh, already in uh, other parts of the world, in Ireland, in Australia, and in the United States. I've had the opportunity personally to be involved in those locations. We are recommending eight standards to be adopted, eight safeguarding standards to be adopted. And the first one of which is that safeguarding is embedded in the church's leadership, governance, ministry, and culture. And this underpins all of the other recommendations that we have argued for. Central to all of our recommendations is also the desire to introduce a one church strategy. Others have previously spoken of following a one church approach. But when I examined what was actually in place in England and Wales, I found a lot of difference. This has to be replaced with greater uniformity, greater conformity to agreed standards that reflect the basic commitments and values of the church. The structure of the institution itself is a major challenge. I'm not a member of the church. It remains a challenge to me to try to get my head around the complex nature of the institution and the relationships that exist within it. There are a variety of bodies that together make up what people understand to be the Catholic Church in England and Wales. In our work, there was a need to establish boundaries and to be as precise as possible in terms of our use of language. We sought to replace the term religious with a more precise definition being institutes of consecrated life and societies of apostolic life, which is quite a mouthful. This is where the term ICLSAL, I-C-L-S-A-L, comes from as it is an acronym for these bodies. Currently, the safeguarding needs of ICLSAL are met largely through a process of alignment. This term refers to these bodies being individually matched up with dioceses and their safeguarding resources. And then they try to meet the needs of ICLSAL bodies that are matched in this way by drawing on those safeguarding resources. It was widely reported to us that the structure was not working well and needed to be changed. There were some cases where it was working well, but overall, it was not working well. We have recommended that it be replaced by the creation of a dedicated safeguarding resource to serve ICLSL alone. 
this resource will be sensitive to the particular needs of religious life and practices. It will work closely with the new body and be bound by the safeguarding standards that will be set down and agreed for the church. We have also argued for the creation of a national tribunal service, taking account of the fact that the church has its own body of canon law. When situations arise that create safeguarding concerns, it is imperative that they are reported quickly to the statutory authorities, being the police and the social services, but also that canonical issues are addressed in a timely and fair way. We would argue that the establishment of a national tribunal service within the geographical entity of England or Wales will create a better and speedier resolution to these sometimes difficult situations. The review sets down a path for the church to follow that has the aim of achieving uniform, high quality safeguarding practice that is verifiable across the church. Hard lessons have to be learned and the way forward has to accept the change is a very necessary part of this learning process. The review report is, I believe, a sound step forward for the church, and I commend it to you. Thank you.